Welcome to this edition of When the Biomass Hits the Wind Turbine, a discussion of sustainable living and what that means to you and me. I am Jay Warmke. And today I'm Annie Warmke. And tomorrow and the next day and the next day. And okay, on today, just today, not tomorrow and the next day, we're going to talk about urban food forests or the zoning board is going to love this. So that's my, that's my secondary title because when, and, and and the reason, the reason that pops into my head is, um, you know, we've recently purchased, uh, an urban office building of sorts for, for Blue Rock station for our solar business. And Annie has this glorious plan of turning the backyard into a food forest. And, and I'm just thinking, okay, that will be interesting to see how, the neighbors and and the powers that be in this urban environment are going to react to have something. Have you told the different. neighbors because you have had the contact nah. with the neighbors? Because I'm the farmer. I'm not here. I'm still at the I've, rock station. I've, all I can say is the woman who lived here a couple of owners ago had like an herb garden in the backyard, and all of our neighbors think. That is something they called it a jungle, uh, and it attracted rats and rodents, and and oh my god, it was a mess, and it was a it was, and the the people who owned the place tore it all up and put down a lawn, and thank God, so they're going to be talking about us. So. I hope so. I really so, hope so. And I'm not being facetious. We need facetious. to put up a 10 foot bamboo fence. Well, baby. that probably is true, and then we'll invite them who in was for it a tour. Said, good fences make good neighbors. Was that? Walt Whitman, maybe, or Emerson, or Thoreau, or one it all of those the time. guys. I thought, were you? You weren't the first to say I, that. It must have oh, been somebody. Word. I'm going to say Emerson. I don't know. I Sounds don't good. really care. I'm, it's one of those three. So. All right. So now that you've done the whole whatever, and um, then it was Robert Frost. Robert yeah. Frost, um, <laughs> probably. Anyway, one a poet, maybe. I I personally think Mark Twain, but anyway. No, no, no. Um, so I just want to say that. I am of the opinion that if we can grow food, if we can grow trees, if we can grow anything anywhere, we should be doing it because it mitigates heat, it mitigates cold, it mitigates extreme weather. And and that's oh. that's the thing. We need to be thinking like this, even on a small little piece, 70 by 30, which is what our backyard is at, in this building, it has the ability to mitigate temperature. So on a 70 by 30 plot, I, I'm not anticipating that will grow, you know, enough to feed a family of four. We're only two people. I know, I know, I know. You're just saying it's not it's not a total thing. It's well, not I, a homestead. It, it's, it's not, it's, it, but there's no... Okay, first of all, let me say that one of the things that frustrates me to no end is people get off on this extreme... We got to grow our own food and we're going to do blah, 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 blah. And it's like, look, we are human beings who live as a tribe. We don't like that, but it's the way it is. So I don't think it's sustainable right. to say I'm going to grow everything myself because I want to support my community. And I also want to uh, support diversity because that is protection. But let me say something about the food forest itself. She's swatting, so swatting not, invisible I'm, flies. With I her am hands. only <laughs> trying to demonstrate that you can grow food 
and it's delicious and it's good. And maybe the rats did come because some of the neighbors have really trashy areas that would support rat and mice cultures and possum cultures and And, coon cultures. They got to eat. They do. And they're not stupid. They're going to come over where the really best food is. So, I mean, mice never eat the crappy plastic things. They eat the really delicious stuff. Anyway, Uh so what I want to talk about today is what is possible? Right. So you let's say you have a really small yard and you think, I'd like to grow food, but in thinking about it in a traditional way and not in a food forest garden way, um, you're thinking only this one little space of real estate. have some green beans and some yeah, tomatoes. Yeah. And those things are important because they do fixate nitrogen into the soil, which we need for plants to produce fruits and vegetables and flowers. But What we're really looking at is saying, how can we create a perennial, meaning the plants come, are there year after year. They just, they aren't just there for one season, a perennial garden that utilizes as much real estate as possible. So I wouldn't come to a 70 by 30 lot and say, I'm going to grow a pecan tree because at some point I'll have way too much shade and I won't be able to It might take up the whole lot. Well, more than that. And the neighbors will really get PO'd about that. So, but I, I, I might say I'm going to grow dwarf fruit trees, maybe a mulberry tree that's going to grow higher than those dwarf fruit trees. Maybe I can grow five or six fruit trees and have two of each kind, like pears. We're going to plant pears, peaches, and plums. And then maybe I want to plant some Jerusalem artichokes because they get pretty tall. Well, a couple of weeks ago, we talked about, you know, food forests in general, but what we're really drilling down here is, is can you do this? Must you do this in an urban or as I was teasing you earlier, suburban, because when, you know, when I think of urban, I think of like the, the mean streets of New York city and, and you don't have a 70 by 30 necessarily, necessarily a plot available to you, um, to grow anything, you know, I mean, it's, it's basically the studies show about what up as much as 50% of the city's surface is concrete is, is parking lots, roads, alleys, buildings, you know? So, okay. So you got 50% and you're saying, let's use as much of that as we can. But the other 50% is not necessarily that. It could be roofs and things like that. Well, you could do, yeah, you could do some living roofs. So I guess what we keep coming back to here is, you know, a lot of people like to poo-poo these ideas saying, yeah, 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 it's not going to solve the problem. So let's, let's let the perfect be the enemy of the good, you know. But I think what we're kind of working towards is in a world that has scarce resources, we need to dual purpose pretty much more than to purpose but it's not just scarce resources it is climate extreme extreme weather events yeah. incredible fungus incredible mold incredible yeah. disease incredible insects so you're saying okay food forests aren't going to solve all those problems no but, but they they're have going a, they to can mitigate make it a little better well mitigation is where yeah, we yeah. are and they are yeah. capable of that even on a very small plot of land um and and there are you know there are food uh, forest food gardens in across the United States, um, 
in, in so many places. It's really unbelievable. And if you visit communityfoodforest.com, there's a map there. And it's not up-to-date map, but it definitely shows that even here in Ohio, there's a one in Akron, there's in Pennsylvania, which is near here. Uh, uh, Pittsburgh has one. And they're diff- owned by different people. And these are in urban settings. Yeah, they are. But the reason that I'm saying urban food forest is because what agriculture likes to call or or uh, herbalists like to call uh, urban landscaping, but we're not doing landscaping. We are doing forest it's gardening. It's not a bunch of topiaries with petunias. No, because right? we ha- we want to, what we basically want to do is catch and store energy and then explore what that energy will create, which is food. But harvestable energy. Yeah, that's right. And so that harvest, those things that we're harvesting could be decorations that we sell at a a farmer's market or to uh, industry like florists and people like that, or hobby, people who use it for hobby and making things. But so it's not just about food, but what it is about is saying we're going to create an environment which the indigenous people, our ancestors, knew how to do this. And and we really need to fall back on some of the ways that they created ways to eat because if we don't and we keep doing this thing where we act like we're going to be able to feed everybody in a, in a healthy way, uh, it ain't going to happen. And, and I do agree that a lot of the problem is we do have plenty of food but it's how it's distributed. And so there we are. Yeah. So when you're in, uh, you know, when you're in these arguments, when you're in these debates with people and, and they say, I'm not debating with anybody. Okay. So you just say, you know, talk to the hand, you know, (laughs) I don't want to debate it. I'm too excited about the ideas of it. And also the prospects um, because so for example, all right, all right. well, let me finish my thought there. Right. So, I'm so you're debating. again, just saying, listen, I don't want to pretend that this is going to solve all of the world's problems. No. What I'm saying is that this is one way to make them a little bit less, you know, right. that, but also that for people helps. to have some control in their own environment where they can make the area around their home cooler or their business cooler or warmer sure. um, just by having plants uh, it, it planted the area as a forest instead of, um, you know, with a little bush here and a little bush there. And it provides a little bit of shade for the wall. Well, so, I wonder, you know, we talk about this in in the sort of the broader picture of food forests where you say, all right, we've created a food forest. And the, one of the things about food forests is that it's not row cropping. You've got crops randomly scattered over over an area and that's healthier for the for the crop. It's healthier for the environment. You've got multi layers going on. We're, we're talking about very small plots within within a food forest in an urban environment. And there's just, it's obviously limited what you can do there. But could you look at the entire urban environment as a food forest? 
and well, then yeah. look at each of these, you know, these many, many little tiny things are the random scatterings of Well, of that's what we else. ought to be doing and saying, yeah. all right, let's have a tree census that tells us where are the food producing trees? Where are the trees we could use for decoration? Where are the trees that we should be timbering to get rid of so we can replace them with trees that are going to benefit that block or that neighborhood. But we're not looking at it like that. But that's going to require buy-in by the powers that be. And and in some progressive areas, that may be very, very, you know, top of the agenda kind of stuff. And and they'll all, you know, think that's great. But but in a lot of the places we've lived, you know, getting yeah, them to the not United put States. you in jail for not having a, a lawn well, is, we've had, is we've going had to be people tough. Actually burn our tree. Oh, yeah, yeah, I got yeah. from my birthday one yeah, year. Yeah, I, I know. I planted the guy, and the next door neighbor came out and goes, you know, when that's when that grows up, that's going to drop leaves on my land. It was a baby. And I was like, well, okay, you're like 60, and you'll be dead because, oh. you know, this poor little tree is not going to grow up well, for 30 years. Well, he fixed years. it because yeah, he, he, he burned it up and, with yeah. something the so next day. So there are hateful people everywhere, but, but how do you get your – your local government, I mean, how do we begin to educate them? I'm sure they're all listening to this, but okay, um, I'm not concerned about that right all now. Right, one step but at what a time. I do want to point out that in other countries, in other continents, like in Africa, um, other little towns, little burgs that are in other places besides North America, they are looking at it as community. Um, lots of women's groups in some of these tiny places, little villages in other countries have organized around this because they want to create um, they want to create a food forest and they see the value. But it, it also isn't just tiny places. You know, the first time I read about food forests was about a, a, a landowner in England, a gentry landowner. They owned a thousand acres and they were going to go belly up bankrupt. And they had had, they had crops, they had livestock, they had a village of people. And they decided that what they were going to do was they were going to just build a fence around their entire farm area of this 1,000 acres. And they were going to let it go back to what it was. And they, so they ran in pigs, chickens, cattle. Um, what else would there well, be? Well, you're not going to do that in All New right, York. but just wait, wait, wait. Right. And what happened was these are all forest animals too. They aren't animals that really are pasture animals. That's what we've done to them. And the land started to change dramatically, really dramatically, to the point where they had new plants, they had um, new beneficial insects, they had less problem with bad insects. Uh, it was a game changer and they were able to sell products. Their meat was more um, highly sought and they actually turned the place around. And that was the first time I had thought about really how to use the real estate that exists versus what I've done in the past. All right. Well, let me just remind everybody you're listening to When the Biomass Hits the Wind Turbine with Jan Anu Warmke. Reminding you, it is indeed the end of the world as we know it. And thank God. And thank God. So the end of the world as we know it also includes how we do gardening. Um, you well, know, how we use the land. How we're yeah, we're how we're using the land and and traditionally, well, it's been a struggle in urban settings even in recent years to 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 let people have you know, gardens, you yeah, know, they're just, outlawed in a, especially well, your front yard. Yeah, You can't do it places. in the front yard because that's ugly. Well, who decides that's ugly, but you know, 
that's those are the issues like you're not allowed to hang up a clothesline because that's ugly and you know but but that guy's you know mustang on blocks is fine you know i mean it, it's always very all right but if before, nobody's making money off of it then it's illegal well maybe you know? i don't know i i i don't want to argue any of that because to me it's I feel BS like it. because yeah let's go down let's storm all right so i want to talk about what are <laughs> storm the storm city hall no i don't care <laughs> I, I, I'm interested in talking more about what are the steps? There are 10 steps. There are 10 steps. There are always 10 steps. How come there are, these are the nine and a half steps. All right. You want me to talk for 14 (laughs) minutes. So I've got 10 steps. So get over it, bud. Anyway. So the first step is deciding what your site is, is like and what your growing zone is. So you might want to grow pineapples, but you're in the wrong zone for doing that. But then also what about the zoning. Don't you repress me. Not, not, a, <laughs> I'm going to repress you for sure. Um, you're being ornery today. Stop it. So zoning, not just the zone, the growing zone you're in, but what does the zoning say about what you want to do? And you're just bringing that up about you can't grow this or you can't grow that. Mm-hmm. And then creating a plan. So you really, really need a plan, whether that is bringing in somebody that knows more than you, uh, but everything in that site must have a purpose and the right site will be able to do that for you. You may have to, you know, cut down, like we're going to need to cut down some trees that are really in whoever let those trees grow up through an existing fence did not care about trees. So they got to come out now and they would have had to come out whether we're going to make a food forest or not. The second step is create a system. Because all systems in a food forest garden work together. They help each other to create one unit and to work with nature. And remember I said what we're trying to do is to uh, catch and store energy. And so we've got to have a system that will do that. Um, So we can't have all trees that are same height. And we don't want to start with, um, we really don't want to start with trees that are in a pot. We want to start with uh, what they call um, bare root so that they are, they're able to catch on right away to where we are. They're not root bound or anything. Go right into my sewer line. That's right. right? And we want to use locally grown if we can, because they'll be that seedling uh, or that sapling will be um, attuned to that environment, the temperature changes and everything. The third step is we want to learn from the natural forest. So we're trying to imitate the principles of the natural forest. And it's your best teacher. Go visit some forests in your area. Or if you have forest land, go sit there. Look at how everything is growing, how it's dying, how it's feeding things. What are the insect issues? What's the shade issue? What's the fertility? not Not every forest is healthy. But I don't care. You want to go, every forest has its own system. And you want to see how is that system in my region working? So, yeah, we see a lot of dead trees where we are. Oh, I don't mean that's, I mean, there's invasives coming in. Yeah, yes, we want to see. We want to see what that that is. What are the invasives for my region? What are the things that do well? For example, we know with climate change that um, sugar maples are not going to survive. They're going to have to move further north. So, you know, what do those sugar maples look like now? So also we want to learn what are those seven layers of a forest and how do we adapt those to where we want to be, how the size and the plan for that lot that we're going to plant in an urban area. 
And those seven layers can be any amount of creativity. It just has to come back every year, except we might want to use one of the layers to grow um, annual vegetables like cucumbers and depending on the region you're in or tomatoes or whatever. So the sixth step, yeah, sorry, the fifth step is we want to create a forest floor. So we want a floor that uh, emulates the forest. And that's very different than if you go out and you look at your garden or, or uh, a pasture. We want to have wood mulch because that forest floor would be composed of leaf matter and rotting bark and twigs and whatever else. And that forest floor retains moisture and it breaks down the material more easily and quickly because of that fungus in the soil. So we need that to happen. Could you use like the leaf matter that's gathered in, in most cities? Like, Well, you want to see where it's gonna, coming from because yeah, if that you're can be bringing it from a, a, a place where everybody um, uh, sprays their lawn, then you just bring this big toxic thing. It's true the dilution is the solution to toxin, but you don't have a very big space to be dealing with that. And if you bring in like lots and lots and lots of leaf matter and it's all been sprayed, then that is not going to be a healthy thing for the, for, it's going to be horrible for the fungus that you need to materialize out of this. Um, mm -hmm. Yeah. It reminds me like the time we brought in a bunch of horse manure from the county fair and turns out they had like so much warmer and everything that we it couldn't had needles have. and oil needles, filters. oil filters. And so we abandoned the entire thing, which turned out to be a blessing, but it didn't feel so such a, at the time. So, all right. So uh, step six is local research and variety selection. So I think it's really important if you haven't done any of this before, and certainly if you haven't been a gardener, you need to find a mentor. And there are lots of, if you go to this communityfoodforest.com You'll see there are food forests in your area, and lots of them are set up to provide education and information. And you also want to know what are the diseases um, that you've got to fight and what plants are resistant to that. So some varieties are disease resistant, and you really want to want to um, deal with that. There are a couple of guys on YouTube that are pretty cool around urban food forests. And one is a guy called Hugh Richards and his spells his name H-U-W Richards. And then James Prigioni, P-R-I-G-I-O-N-I. -I. I apologize for my pronunciation, but they are both really cool dudes who, um, <laughs> cool dude. the Richards, That's what I be the known Richards guy, I think he's in like Australia, New Zealand. And so he's in a different so by environment. by definition, a cool dude. Yeah, exactly. Mm -hmm. But anyway, so YouTube's a good resource, but these guys really know what they're doing. And they, um, uh, James has created food forests from nothing. And he's showing you different levels, different years of his food forest. Are these things, when, when you've seen them, and obviously you've looked at them online, are they... Do they look like an urban jungle or do they look attractive? I mean, could somebody look at this and go, you know, that's, I mean, obviously somebody's going to look at it and say it's beautiful and somebody's going to look at it and say it's, it's hideous, but is this something that most people are going to just say, yeah, that's attractive, you know, um, well, it depends on your definition of attractive, but most people love forests. Yeah. But is it, does it look like just some overgrown lot somewhere? I don't think so. I, I mean, mean, it's the tended. Ones, it looks tended. Well, it is managed because you are keeping this mulch in place because you don't want weeds and you don't want to have bad pests and things like that. Sure. So, 
So it's not planted. If you're a ignore. person who thinks forests are beautiful, you yeah. will love. Well, food most forests. people love long walks on the beach, but they don't actually do it. They no, say they that's do. right. And, and they say, "I love walks in the forest." They're not really. They love drinking well, Budweiser on the couch. There's a majority know? of people who at least fantasize that right. forests so, are beautiful. So once again, we have to get into this when we talk about reimagining the world. You know, we got to change. We got to actually change. I mean, right. Like, we can't just keep going. It's got to be the same old thing because the same old thing is going to give you the same results. Like saying I want to go on a diet, but I don't want to change what I eat. That's you. That's <laughs> no. absolutely you. Hey, I'm you're not. you're a lost cause there for you food forest. I don't think so. No, I, I could see that. It's just that I've got to manage my my conditioning. You know? Okay, let's move on because okay. that's no, a, I'm, that's I'm, a whole. I'm learning thing. something here. I'm trying. I'm having oh, okay. having an. Epiphany. You mean about going on a diet or no? Okay, back to forest. <laughs> so. Anyway, so I did mention before that you should always buy bare root trees because they're going to adjust and do what you need. I believe it's really good to plant things pretty tightly together. So let's say you plant three peach trees and in two years, two of them are dead. So mm -hmm. you got a peach tree. If you don't do that, you may end up with not having ever have any peaches. <laughs> what if they all survive? <laughs> well, then you I'm, yank out the ones that are not I'm just thinking as, as you're saying this, maybe this was my parents' philosophy of children. Why they had so many? <laughs> Seven of them, because, you know, they may not all make But they make kept it. up with boys. That's the problem. <laughs> yeah, well, that's the thing. It's, all right. It's... So that brings us to step number nine, with it, which is a kind of persistence and a belief that Whatever you do, it's going to be what you want it to be. So it's not going to happen overnight. You're not going to walk out one morning and it's all going to be beautiful. And you've got to observe. And the step number 10 is observe and refine and deal with whatever's going on in your forest. And this is just gardening. You yeah. know, every gardener goes, that doesn't belong there anymore. I well, got to move it over here or that doesn't work or that's going to die. Let's get it out of here before it attracts more bad pests. Sure. That's getting too tall. You know, I mean, that's too Well, big. yeah, we need to whack it back or we need to give up on it. Well, that's, I guess that brings up the point that this is, by definition, a fairly small space. So it is manageable, right? right? Well, you would think so, but some people can't even imagine, uh, manage, you know. Uh, uh, the top uh, of their desk. I know. Oh, don't bring that up. That's as bad as the diet thing. Uh -huh. So anyway, so I think. I think what we are really talking about here is we've got to reimagine gardens and we've got to reimagine how we use space in urban areas because we're wasting all of this really amazing space. And there are a lot of people out there that would like to do this kind of thing. And I'm just really encourage people to go to this uh, community food forest site and, um, and check out what's out there because it's a great opportunity. Um, so for example, let's say you say, I don't have very much money to buy plant material, but you can join the Arbor Day Foundation for $50, which is a lot of money, but I bet you spend that much twice visit to McDonald's and, or maybe not, maybe you spend this it once. This is the hypothetical you, right? Not yeah, we don't go to McDonald's, <laughs> but I'm just saying a lot of people go to McDonald's and so, if you can spend 50 bucks at McDonald's, you can spend 50 bucks, but the Arbor Day Foundation is going to give you 10 plants, 10 bare root trees to plant. So let's say you don't want to plant those trees. They have fruit trees, really nice bare root fruit trees for $20 a piece. And so you can start a food forest with 
especially if you knew there's a peach tree next door or an apple tree or whatever, you can utilize those trees to help to pollinate the tree that you're going to plant. So I don't think it's a good excuse to say I don't have enough money or I don't have an, um, enough knowledge because it's out there. Okay, well, you have been listening to When the Biomass Hits the Wind Turbine with Jan Annie Warmke. We want to thank our Emmy Award winning producer, Adam Rich. Yeah, I, didn't, Adam. I didn't even tease him today. I know. You're and nice. we want to thank you for spending just a little bit of time with us. And as your grandmother hopefully told you, the secret to a happy and sustainable life is play nice with others, Jay. Clean up your own mess and eat your veggies. Till next time. Bye bye. You can find more information on living sustainably in our unsustainable world at blueRockStation.com.